Hey guys, and welcome to the SKS podcast where working actors talk. Each episode, we sit down with different industry professionals who share their experiences, provide advice, and just talk about issues that are relevant today. This week, we talk all things demo reels with three-time Emmy-nominated writer, editor, and producer, Joe Gresses. Joe has been named Best Demo Reel Editor by Backstage Magazine twice, and he is here to share so many tips and tricks on what makes a great demo reel edit. We taped this during the pandemic, and it is still to this day our most requested Zoom recording. So without further ado, I give you Joe and Colleen Foy. Joe is our uh, guest today. I'm so thrilled that he could do this. I want to tell you guys first how I met Joe. Years ago, uh, I've been in LA for nearly 15 years. Years ago, when I just moved here, I did a, I went to a SAG after a panel. There were um, two, uh, maybe three demo reel editors um, sharing their um, wisdom, sharing their knowledge. And Joe had three things that I was looking for. One, he knew exactly what he was doing. He was very, very skilled at it. Two, he uh, operated very professionally. You know how you can tell that from a person. Um, and I, I just prefer to, to work with people who run, operate professionally. And three, he seemed very kind. Um, and those were the three things that I needed, just the only three things. Now, when I, when I first did that uh, workshop at SAG-AFTRA, I don't believe iMovie was around. Uh, nowadays, we can edit things ourselves. The reason I still work with Joe on every single project is because I don't have the skill set to make my demo reels as professional as they need to be in order for it to be the sharpest version of that particular tool. I want my headshots to be top notch. I don't do my hair and makeup for my headshots. Honey, I pay a professional. Um, I absolutely have them retouched by a professional, even though I know my way around the Facetune app. Um, uh, so I still get my demo reel edited by a professional. Um, uh, so anyway, without further ado, this is Joe Grisis. Would you mind starting, Joe, just by telling us a little bit about yourself? You are um, a writer, editor, producer, director, all of the above. Sure. Well, thanks for that intro, Colleen. That was great. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thanks, everybody, for coming. 64 participants. I was not expecting to see that. Uh, that's great. And some people I know uh, already on there. Karen Collison, yeah. I see you. Like Lee Perkins is there. A few other people. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks, everyone, for being here. That's great. Um, yeah, so, I mean, like, I've, I went to film school. I did a lot of this. You know, I came to uh, LA to work in the industry as everybody did. Uh, I had an interest in post-production. I came here from the Midwest, from Ohio, and in Ohio I, you know, done a lot of editing. And so when I came here, I started doing, you know, demo reels for actors. That's like the first thing I did when I, when I came to LA. So at that point, like, so I started doing that in 2003. So that's a long time now. And I've been uh, kind of keeping it going ever since, like my uh, my business for doing that too. But at the same time, I do work in other areas. Um, <clears throat> as Colleen mentioned, I, I actually am still working at the moment because I'm, I'm, I do a lot of work in animation. So right now I'm doing a show for Adult Swim, but I also edit a show called um, F is for Family. If anyone is familiar with that, it's a Netflix cartoon. So I'm the lead editor of that show. Uh, but um, in the course of uh, my career in Hollywood, I've... Uh, produced some movies, produced some TV shows. Like I produced um, a couple of independent films in like the three to $5 million range. One called uh, A Little Help, 
with uh, Jenna Fisher from The Office and Chris O'Donnell, and then another one called Home Run Showdown, which had uh, Matt Lillard and Dean Cain and Barry Bostwick. Um, and uh, then I produced a series for YouTube called uh, Oishi High School Battle, which did very well. It got like 80 million views or somewhere around that. Oh, wow. And the main reason... And the main reason to bring these things up is because uh, I've kept this demo reel company going the whole time, but I've also been on the other side of demo reels. And I've seen how do casting directors and how do directors look at demo reels and like what are they looking for and like what kind of things work for them and, and don't. And so it's been, you know, educational for me and continuing this business to be able to see, to see that. So, you know, like um, the, movie I, uh, the movie I produced, A Little Help, was written and directed by Michael J. Whitehorn, who also created King of Queens. And so he um, had been, um, you know, a showrunner for a long time. And so had a pretty, uh, you know, the, looking at him, look at reels was to me kind of educational because over the course of nine years of producing King of Queens, where he cast hundreds of parts, right? It's like, this is a guy who's like constantly doing this and making decisions for people. and figuring things out just based on um, sizzle reels, uh, sorry, based on demo reels. So uh, yeah, that, it, it has been very useful towards this end of things to have the other side of the experience too. Mm, that's fantastic. Um, okay, great, let's get into it, shall we? There are multiple kinds of demo reels, right, Joe? Some people have comedy, some have drama, some have just clips of the show. Are there trends? Do people decide that on their own or do agents and managers typically have a say? I mean, agents and managers will definitely have a, have a say. I mean, um, one of the first things is that you definitely want to have enough material to support a comedy or a drama sure. reel. So that's an important part of it. Um, I think even if you do have a comedy and a drama reel, you do want your overall reel that has everything. Um, especially because I will say that in my, you know, like in my experience of producing, the times that we've used the most in terms of, you know, being on the... Um, the consumption end of the demo reel as opposed to the production end of the demo reel. The time I've used drama or comedy reels the most is when I'm trying to cast small specific parts. Mm. Uh, and that's when they're the most useful because there's like no fat and stuff like that. But because there's also no other stuff and you're kind of like focusing kind of with a little bit of a laser on a, one specific feature, it also isn't as three dimensional for you. Right, so it certainly can be useful to have, like it's good to have those reels to pick up some of your co-stars and guest stars. I mean, I don't wanna like uh, downplay the importance of a guest star, right? Because a guest star can be fantastic and launch you into the next thing. But I'm just saying like, um, like those tend to be a little bit more for smaller parts in, in general. That's, I'm not gonna say that 100%, right? Because there's definitely some very broad sitcoms that are just gonna wanna look at a comedy reel and then, you know, Drama, it's like a, you know, same thing, but that's it. I usually find that they're for, uh, for like smaller things. I've always used those kind of reels for like under fives. Oh, really? That's amazing. I've never yeah. heard that because I think I've just never heard that from someone who's sort of behind the camera or in, in that stage of production. I think a lot of times things are geared to um, actors thinking like about their footage and things like that, but knowing that sometimes the just drama can help to uh, cast the under fives for just this one very dramatic role. That's interesting. Yeah, and I think the, the thing is, is that actors have been taught to worry a lot about the time of the casting director spends in looking at your reel. They've, it's been drilled into a lot of people that it's gotta be as short as humanly possible and all that kind of stuff. And, um, Again, like having done this for a kind of a while, I kind of find that to be overstated, that reels have to be short as humanly possible because 
like it or not, every reel is a speed reel. They're going to stop watching when they want to stop watching. <laughs> like they, they are not compelled to watch your whole reel if it's five minutes long and they only want to watch it for two. They don't, they just stop it whenever. Right, so um, uh, speed is not necessarily the thing that, you know, sorry, I guess I'm jumping no, a little bit to that question, but it, it comes off from this. It's like the reason a lot of these tools were created was to make things go faster. And you don't, it's, I wouldn't call, I wouldn't say that that's your primary mission. Okay, fantastic. So is there kind of a standard length or um, is there a standard, you can only do this many amount of projects on a reel or is there a standard like uh, keep this character under a minute? Are there any standards? I would say roughly, right? There's always, this is, you know, being an art form, there's always exceptions, right? Exceptions to the rule for sure. Um, reels tend to be two to five minutes long. I don't worry that much, as I was just saying, about keeping them super short because here's the way I've seen people always look at reels. They'll watch your first scene, they'll watch some of your second scene, maybe all of it. So ideally, the second scene is kind of a juxtaposition from the first scene so that people actually get a uh, little bit of a, a range even within those first two scenes. And then they'll just scroll through and kind of like look at stuff that they find interesting and stop. So I don't actually find the overall length of a reel to be all that important. I mean, look, there's a, there's, look, you don't necessarily also want to send, if you're an actor that's not all that well known, you also don't necessarily want to send them something that says nine minutes or eight minutes, right? Because then they'll think that perhaps you're a little undisciplined. But don't wor I don't worry about keeping it to one or two minutes. I really don't. Okay. Um, and, and in terms of this, but the scenes, this is like was, was something you were saying too, the scenes, it's very important to kind of keep the scenes as short as they can be that makes sense, right? So one thing that I do a lot of in the editing of, of this, of reels, and this is kind of like the more seamless part of it, is that I, I cut out as much of the other people as possible while keeping the structural integrity of the scene and ideally focusing on you. So that's one thing that you really want to do. And the scenes, the scenes can't be fat, even if they're the length of the overall reel is you know, variable, but the scenes themselves can't be fat. And generally, you know, I'm, I'm aiming at like scenes being 30 seconds. Okay. Right? Like uh, 30, 30 seconds is great, 45 seconds to a minute if needed is acceptable. And a minute long scene would, probably require there to be an arc within the scene itself yeah. for it to be worthwhile. If it's a minute of kind of the same thing, then there's no point to that. If it's like, if the character's kind of got one color, 30 seconds is fine, maybe less. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, even if, yeah. the if the character is so one color. Mm -hmm. um, and of course there are other, other things that you want to keep in mind, right? So it's like, uh, even if, it, if the character's one color, but you're doing scene with, you know, Brad Pitt, yeah, okay. It's like, I don't, you know, let it run a little bit longer. Not even Brad Pitt, but just someone that's, you know, no right. recognizable, right? That's fine. <laughs> and the people like then, because then that like also like invest people a little bit more. I mean, I, I hate to say that that's the way that people work, but it's the way people work. They see a familiar totally. face and it, uh, it definitely like captures their attention a little bit yeah. more. Um, may I give an example of that? Sure. Just talking about sort of like trimming a little bit of the fat. Um, I did a scene years ago on Castle. Um, Joe always does these like inter-scene cuts for me that I just love because um, with respect to all of them, we cut away a little bit of the series regulars. Um, like on Castle, Beckett and Castle were doing a lot of these like looks to each other looks to each other and we just trimmed a little bit of that out so that most of the time was 
<laughs> spent on my face. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I want this to be a tool, right, to get me work. So, uh, so um, that's just one example of, of real life, I guess. Yeah. Oh no, that's nothing ridiculous about that. Like that's the, you. You have served the project by being in it, and now the project needs to serve you with oh, demo. Yes. Right. That's a freaking lovely. So, so whatever you can do, like you said, I, I think what you want to do is cut out as much of the other people as you can, but keeping the structural integrity of the scene, right? Wow. And sometimes the reaction of other characters to what you're doing is important. Eh, not, not all the time, right? So it's like it, I, I always want to make sure that like people understand that there's exceptions to mm -hmm. most of what we're saying here because like I said, it is, it is an art, right? It's like I did a real, I, was, I don't know why this one's popping in the head, but I did a real for this guy, Brent Briscoe, who, who died a little while ago, unfortunately, but he was in the movie Simple Plan with Billy Bob Thornton and whatever. And there's this like two minute, 15, two minute and 15 second scene where he's telling, he's retelling how he did this, uh, he did this um, crime and then he realizes at some point that Billy Bob Thornton's been recording him. And then he like, you know, has this whole freak out. And then they have this uh, other encounter. And so in this two minute and like 50 minute scene, there's like four different beats and this incredible arc. I mean, the whole thing's watchable the whole time. Is everyone gonna have a two minute, 15 minute scene that's worth putting on your reel? No, probably not. <laughs> but I'm saying that like, it's one of those things that's vastly beyond the, what I would call the normal rules of it. But it happens. Um, you've mentioned Billy Bob Thornton and Brad Pitt. Um, uh, because this is that kind of business where having a little bit of that connection um, uh, may matter, um, do you, uh, do you sort of front load your demo reel or would you recommend front loading your demo reel with a scene with a name actor, even if it's not your best work? How do you sort of balance it all? You know, I don't know. <laughs> that's one that's like kind of, I got to see it to understand, right? Like if it feels very co-star and very like, if, if they don't need you, you specifically as an actor for that scene, like it's, you know, your opposite Brad Pitt, but your role is, oh yeah, you want the, you want the everything bagel? Um, <laughs> if, if that's what you're saying, I wouldn't necessarily start with it because it's Got like it. yeah, a big star, but it's like, Psychologically, you're putting the viewer into the position that you are very supporting, very, very, very supporting, right? Well, and when you're so supporting in that kind of a role where you don't get to show anything that makes you interesting as an actor, then, then, then essentially having Brad Pitt in it is sucking all the energy out of your demo. Like they're just looking at Brad Pitt then because you are, you're kind of a cipher, right? And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Every actor needs to do those co-stars and those guest stars and those things that get you in the room and meet people and they're small and whatever. Nothing wrong with them whatsoever, but you don't necessarily want to focus on that in terms of how you advance your career. So if you had that scene where you're selling the everything bagel to Brad Pitt, I mean, I put it on your reel, but I definitely wouldn't really start with it. But the thing, again, like if you're starting with other scenes that show some good work, and then later on, we see you in this, in this scene selling the everything bagel to Brad Pitt, psychologically, and there's a lot of psychology with putting together the reels, a lot. Mm. By the time you get to that thing, they're like, oh, okay, we like this person as, as, as an actor. And they could also, stand up being a scene with Brad Pitt and like have been at that level of professionalism, right? But oh. if you start with it and it's just like, going, oh, cool, Brad Pitt. <laughs> Got it. Um, is part of that psychology also why you don't necessarily want your demo reel to be kind of your resume of every single thing that you've done? You sort of uh, curate, curate your, your reel. Is that Oh, right? yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because it's like if, like you, you really want your reel to show like 
different things. Um, I mean, if it's particular, like if it's the same color over and over again, that's not necessarily serving you. And again, I'll say there are even exceptions to that, right? Because I put together, I put together a reel for somebody that was a lunch lady reel. She had just played so many lunch ladies <laughs> that all we did was do a reel of lunch ladies, right? And it's like that then had a really specific purpose to it. But it's and you know, I another one where a guy was like all waiters, and another one where a guy was all judges. Like these things, uh, those the, those exist too, right? And, but yeah. again, like these exceptions. But um, yeah, you don't cram everything in there for sure. Like you just you just don't um, mm -hmm. because it's. A reel is not entertainment, right? But it also can't be boring, if that makes sense, right? It can't turn people, get them to start, they can't start drifting off because they're not seeing new information. Got it. I love that. All these pearls of wisdom, uh, even after knowing oh. you for so many years, it's kind of blowing my mind. Oh, yeah, I'm hoping. <laughs> um, uh, so one of the questions that came up while asking a sort of fielding for questions from students is how do you make things sort of pop in a demo? I think part of it is trimming the fat, like we, the fat of the series regulars, like we talked about. Is there anything else? And what does that even mean? Yeah, pop is a little bit weird again, right? Because it's like, you know, that's kind of your job, that your essence of being an actor, right? Mm -hmm. Is like doing something that comes across the screen and I you know I've, I've edited reels for people who became famous and, and sometimes I was like oh this guy's got it this guy this guy's got it like I did Idris Elba's reel when he was like early into his career saw that on your website it is on my website yeah and, and oh well I mean his face is on my just website. the face yeah of course yeah, I don't think I put his reel up there no I, I wanted to see it but no yeah um, yeah but um but like I remember meeting him and I was like oh this is a very charismatic gentleman uh, and, uh, yeah, it turns out, it, it turned out that that kind of works. So it's like, I mean, popping is mostly you, but there are some things that that um, will get you focus, which mm -hmm. is kind of like what you need the most. So as best possible, start and end scenes on you. This is like a hilarious thing to have to say, but it's surprising how many times I've looked at reels and I'm like, whose reel is this? Oh. Like it starts with a group scene or it starts on a shot with their back and we're actually seeing another actor first, or it's like, you know, the, the actor is a, you know, 25 year old white guy and the other scene he's with is, and the, and the scene partner is a 25 year old white guy. And you're like, which one is he? <laughs> and it's like, it's just easy to kind of forget sometimes because that's how it goes. So I, your job is to pop, but the job of the reel is to allow that to shine, right? So avoiding confusion is incredibly important. You've got to know who you are immediately and throughout the whole thing. Mm -hmm. If you're gonna have like group scenes or, or scenes where there's like a, a lot of, you know, action or things like that going on, we've got to be at a point where we already know to follow you. Like you're the through line already, right? Like that, that's an important thing. So um, yeah, starting, starting and ending on you, cutting out as much of the other people to keep the structural, but you know, keeping the structural integrity scene, those are all like very important tools to make these pop. And it is also possible from a, a bit of a, an editing perspective to enhance things, right? To kind of take a, like a bit, a bit of a trailer perspective to it, right? Sometimes I, I'll add more music. You, you know, you, I've done that for you, obviously. Yeah. Right? Like I'll add more music or I'll add certain transition effects or things like that. Oh, but yeah. things that will maybe sometimes take a line that isn't an end, a button to a scene and make it a button to a scene, right? Because it's like, if you've got like, you know, uh, so if, if you're out on a line, which isn't necessarily important, you put on a big drum beat or a cymbal, you know, that kind of a thing. 
or like a rattled anything of that kind of stuff that can suddenly add focus to this line which was ordinarily just wasn't necessarily the thing that would end it that's amazing that's awesome yeah you've done so many like good little tricks for me over the years um uh, and then what about transitions from uh a scene to another scene do you do you typically or do you see typically black out black or fade out fight see this is why i don't edit my own stuff i don't even know what it's called fade out fade in black out black in yeah, you, you know, just whatever. There's transitions, yeah. Dip to color, <laughs> dip to color crossfades, those kind of things. Yeah. Um, a lot of people do the dip to color. I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of it because I think it's a, an invitation for people to be distracted. Uh-huh. Uh, when you dip to color and you're like, oh, this thing is over. And then uh, even subliminally, people are like, oh, this, this bit is over. And it allows them to kind of like lose concentration on things. I, okay. I, I like it to just continuously flow all the way through, like the, it, with the idea that it's like work really watching your work until we're at a point, you know, whoever the audience for your, for your reel is, is it a point where they've seen enough or they're just liking it so much that they, that they continue, you know, to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tend to not, uh, but it does have to transition well with like audio and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an important, uh, an important part. Like audio is something that people don't pay enough attention to. Um, and then another thing that I, I see a lot of, and I've seen it in some of these, I, I watched all the reels that you sent. Oh, great. Awesome. Thanks. And, and I will say that, like, one thing that happens in most of them, not all of them, but most, there's all these, like, little weird, little just cut up, lost edits, flash frames, things like that, that just distract you. And what winds up happening again is people get distracted. And now, from a technical standpoint, it doesn't necessarily seem like much, but you got to remember, if you are a casting director or a director who's watching in a day often, many reels right because i'll set aside like a blocks of time to like watch reels and like look for people for certain sites and there's bits editing technical problems there's artifacts there's sound glitches there's whatever and it throws you off man that that could ruin the rest of the reel wow and it seems like a small thing but if people if you suddenly let people like you know they're on that train and that bump throws them off in another direction they're in another direction now. got and it that's a that's a problem so smooth clean edits are important. I mean, it, and it doesn't necessarily, you know, seem like that much big of a deal, but it, it's more than you think. Got it. So a lot of those things that you're talking about, um, because you have such a um, vast knowledge of that, do people who come to you to get their reels edited, they don't have to go like, will you add a symbol and make sure this and make sure that you, they can come with footage and you can help them create it. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, no, I do that for sure. It's like a, and it's not always needed. A cymbal and a, and a drum or whatever, or like, you know, an impact sound, none of those are needed necessarily at the time. And I also don't completely avoid the fade to black either. Sometimes that's necessary to propel like a, a scene because like maybe sometimes it's like, you know, um, a, t- uh, a time progression within a particular area and you just need something like that, a crossfader or a dip to black or something. So like, again, I'm, I'm never saying, I'm not saying to any of these tools that you just don't use them. It's like, yeah. it, it is case by case. I'm just talking about generalities. Um, but yeah, it's like I, I evaluate every kind of, every piece to see how much we need that kind of stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. ideally, you know, we've got scenes in there where we don't have to dress them up that much, right? All we, the, what, what we, what we, there's enough of you in it that all we really want to do is like focus it on you as yeah. much as possible, start and finish with you, and then that's it. And then we can leave the scene alone. That, that's kind of like an, an ideal thing to have. Got it. Uh, and then as far as getting footage, um, I, 
so you do something called air checks. I typically just uh, email Joe and say, I'll be on station 19 um, this day. There's a guest star. It's a guest star with lots of scenes. Then I'll say, I'm on Tacoma FD. There's just one scene. It's the beginning of the episode. Um, but you can get footage from four people, correct? Yeah. yeah. Like I can get footage from anywhere. Um, I, mean, I think people have different you know, methods. I mean, I, again, like because I do this for a living, and this is also like, goes back to some of the stuff you're talking about, like, you know, actors learning how to edit, right? It's like, there's a, um, there's a real learning curve to it. And is it worthwhile to you, you know, to, to do that? Because sometimes it's better to just pay someone to do it and then yes. it's done and you don't have to let Because <laughs> investing the time uh, for your own skill set is a, that's a, that's a cost you have to evaluate. You don't necessarily want to like become like, uh, like uh, put all this money into a skill that is only used just to update your own reel every now and then. Like right. that's not necessarily something you want to do. Maybe it is because editing is fun. I like it, but uh, but you know maybe you don't. Similarly, I have a full edit bay here at home, right? Because I, I when I, I used to be a full time producer and I had like you know an edit. I had a few edit bays in my. Um, did you ever go to my bungalow in West Hollywood? Absolutely, you did? yeah. Okay, that's so where I first met you. Yeah. Oh, that's right back there. But I had yeah. secret kitchen. But um, so I had this bungalow there, and it's like you know I had the three edit bays and all this kind of stuff. And over, I just got rid of all that stuff because being a producer is a ridiculous job. No one should do it. Anyway, <laughs> um, so uh, I um, have all this stuff here at home now, right? And so I've got methods to copy anything. I can get stuff from Hulu or Amazon or Netflix or whatever. And, but, you know, I've got this like $3,000 piece of equipment right there that lets me do that. And then I've got these like, uh, you know, like HDMI splitters that I got China specifically because they allow me like get through some of these other things there's right so it's like I have invested and again like it's one of those things where I'm bringing it up because it's like it's not necessarily the best investment for someone else to do right because it's like if you're only gonna if you're going to use some of like if you need my equipment to do like four air checks or five air checks or even ten over the course of your life you know you don't necessarily want to buy a three thousand dollar piece of equipment to do ten air checks right so it's like yeah so that's why I, I kind of started doing that kind of a thing. Okay. Um, but getting sometimes getting material like sometimes you want producers to give them to give you material, they rarely do, right? I mean, it's just like it's just the fact of this business, and it's really annoying. Um, like I've uh, I've had a bunch of people lately who are on some of these judge shows that they do that uh, Byron Allen's companies does, you know, entertainment studios, and I've been air checking those for people. Not only do they tell you up front, we're not going to give you a copy of your show. We're not even going to tell you when it's going to air. We're going to tell you nothing. Like you get nothing from us. Yeah. And so I literally like for some of these clients, like I just record these judge shows <laughs> because sometimes someone has one. I'm like, all right, let me see if I like if I can get this. And it's like if I or someone will be on one and they'll say, hey, can you? I'm on Judge Karen or whatever. Can you record this? And it's like I will literally just record Judge Karen forever until they tell me <laughs> their, episode, their episode is aired, and they'll be like, oh, okay, let me look through it, and they'll oh. get it. Because it, it, it's, and it's just one of the worst things about, I, one of the things that makes me feel the most for you actors is that nobody cares about getting your material. And I just think that that's really annoying and really bad. But. Yes, it is. Know, yes, it, it, it is. And that's why I do, the, I do the air checks just to try to ameliorate that a little bit. But it's like, they should provide it for you. Yeah. I, I so appreciate that you do that. Joe, I cannot thank you enough. You're brilliant. Sure. Sure, yeah. happy to help. I'm glad that uh, glad to see so many people on here, and it's like you know, it, glad that people are taking advantage of this time <laughs> that yeah. we have.
Absolutely. try to like, you know, figure out next moves and like what you're yeah. going to do when things reopen. Totally. And as I said earlier about Joe, the three things, he knows what the heck he's doing, conducts himself professionally, and is kind. The whole package. Uh, and if you guys have more questions, I'm happy to, you know, you can email them to me or whatever. And thank you, Colleen. That was so nice of you. You're yeah. Great. Yeah. Colleen, you're great too. You guys are, uh, you are in good hands with her. Uh, thanks, Joe. <laughs> Appreciate it. Have a wonderful weekend, guys. Stay safe.